This is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our own humanity. The time travel film Looper had two cousins working together, composer Nathan Johnson and his director and writer Ryan Johnson, who went on to direct The Last Jedi in the Star Wars universe. But we chat time travel and their movie in a moment. And today, a conversation with a couple of cousins that work together on a film called Looper. That is composer Nathan Johnson and his cousin, Ryan Johnson, who wrote and directed the time travel movie. We talk about the film and also his philosophies. We're going to get some insights into the man who's going to write and direct the next Star Wars film, Ryan Johnson. Let's go to my interview taped at San Diego Comic-Con. You know, overhearing a conversation was really cool, and I love things like this. Is when you record sounds, you, you yeah. went out to the set and recorded things. I think that is the coolest thing, and then you incorporate that into the score. Yeah. That's just another great creative tool to use, you know, for composing. Yeah, yeah, it was it was really fun to uh, to kind of approach composing from a, a different like a different doorway into it for me. And yeah, it was something that we talked about really early on. And, and with all the toys you have, I mean, is there a temptation to manipulate those sounds too a little bit? Oh yeah, we did a lot of manipulation, yeah. I mean, they're, they're definitely like, the idea was to grab really interesting sounds and then, you know, slow them way down, make them way louder, just like to kind of present a sound that you would maybe hear in everyday life in a different way that you're not used to hearing it. And we always talked about taking these like small households or taking small sounds and making them sound huge. But the thing that we always kept coming back to was this should sound as big as an orchestral score, but just using the, you know, let's find ways to make these sounds as huge as a string section, as big as a room full of brass. Let's, let's, you know. And the technology is there where you can actually do that. Definitely. Couldn't do that even, maybe even 10 years ago. Yeah. 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 I know the composers I've talked to in the past, it's home studio all the way. Is that how you work as well? Uh, You know, a bit of both. We we definitely started in the home studio, like when when I'm cataloging the sounds that I found and then creating the new instruments out of them. But, um, you know, but then we went in and we, you know, it's interesting because like with an electronic score, the, the tendency is that everything sounds like gridded and perfect which is very much not my aesthetic and very much not Ryan's aesthetic. So even in in using those tools, we wanted it to sound like very much played by humans. We wanted to draw out the imperfections. So yeah, so we would we would create stuff uh, in the home studios, but then we would actually physically play them in. We went in and, and you know like recorded a lot of other stuff, some orchestral instruments, some live drums, some trash drums. And, and kind of combine that all so that it, it, it felt like still weird, but, you know, but there was that live element for sure. So there's a little experimentation involved, too. Very much so. A lot of experimentation. <laughs> now, how long did some of that take? Uh, it was a long process. Yeah, I mean, we, I, was, I went down uh, when they started filming, and I worked on the score for about a year. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a luxurious amount of time to get to explore. And how, how did the filming uh, go for the film? It was great. We had the time of our lives. It, it feels like a cliche for the director to say, it was great and we all got along, but it was great and we all got along. <laughs> it was just a fantastic experience. It was like a great cast. It was. Oh, it was a cool group so of people. Good. And we had so much fun with uh, with everybody. We had a great time with Bruce and Joe and Emily are just the best. And we had... Uh, 
just a terrific cast. And it was, I mean, that's one of the nice things also about, you know, usually the composer comes into the process much later, much, much later. And just the fact that Nathan and I, you know, the fact that we're cousins, the fact that we grew up making movies together, the fact that we're this close and that he's one of the first members of the team on board meant we had that luxury of him coming to the set and him really getting steeped in the visual language yeah. of the film and incorporating that into the score. That's that's something special. It's you know. super, super unique, and I really, really love that we can do that. Yeah, yeah. Hey, thank you for listening to Sci-Fi Talk, but stick around. I have more. Let's get back to Sci-Fi Talk. I'm Tony Tolato. I think it's cheating. You guys uh, look at each other and have that special look and yeah. you know exactly what's going on. I know. That's so unfair. It's true. It's true. I'll tell you, I wish more people had that, actually. No, 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 <laughs> Probably make the so process good. go a heck of a lot smoother no, for most films. <laughs> so that's cool. You know, for those who don't know, I mean, there's, yeah. there's banners on the hard rock. Just explain a little bit about Looper and what's it about. Looper is a time travel movie. It's a time travel action movie. And it stars Bruce Willis and Joseph Gordon-Levitt playing the same person but 30 years apart and so um, so basically Joe works as a looper and the looper is a specialized assassin that works for a mob in the future 30 years in the future and when this mob 30 years in the future needs to get rid of people so that they completely vanish they zap them back in time to Joe our looper who kills them and disposes of the body so it's a sophisticated way of getting rid of bodies basically but one day Joe shows up to work in order to, you know, he's waiting for the guy to show up so he can shoot him, and his older self shows up. And the movie is about what happens from there. Um, so it's kind of a cat and mouse game between the two of them. Yeah. I'm a big Star Trek fan, so nice. it's always don't corrupt the timeline. That's always Star Trek. Right, right. right. It's like, yeah, obviously, you guys are doing that. We're messing up that timeline. Good. We're kicking sand in the timeline's face. Well, part of the, I mean, part of the, I mean, dealing with time travel in a narrative is always tricky because it, there's the danger it'll take it over and suddenly you'll be doing nothing but thinking about timelines for the whole film. And I really wanted to try and construct this so that the time travel did its job and then got out of the way and let the character and the stories take over. Um, and so part of the approach that we took was was taking a very worm's eye view to the time travel. These characters don't know how it works. They don't know the full implications of it. They have their job that uses time travel in this small way. They know it's dangerous to mess with it, but they don't entirely know the full effects of it. And that kind of cuts us free to just see the practical effects of what happens when you mess with time travel, but not have to explain it. Um, which is, you know, I, I, I think it works in the film. I think hopefully, you know, most of the stuff that you're paying attention to in the film are the characters and the story, and you don't have to be thinking too much about the time travel. It kind of just works in the mode where you accept it. That's, that's actually very believable, and I'll tell yeah. you why, because most of us drive cars. Exactly. But you can't say, hey, look, it sounds like my alternator isn't working yeah, right now. Yeah, you know, sure. We don't know how to fix them. Yes. We have somebody else to do That's the approach, you know. I mean, the only thing they know about time travel really is that it's dangerous. It's this technology that they deal with every day, but that's a really good analogy, actually. Yeah, Actually, that's I think that's I thought was always funny about Star Trek. Yeah, it's like oh, oh it's just, oh it's that that's just not working. The old, you know the uh, the transponders right. out or right. something. Uh, Let's change it. They knew it's this like, stuff. These yeah. guys all know each other's jobs. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's going on. So when can we see it? September twenty eighth at the theater near you. <laughs> Please go see it. <laughs> you know I tell you, um, and you got Bruce, and you yeah. got uh, you know Gordon who is. Uh, 
I mean, he's, he's in Batman, and yeah. he is gonna he is he's ready awesome. to explode. He's phenomenal. First movie that that I made and that we worked together on was called Brick. It was like an independent movie. It was a detective movie, and Joseph and Joe starred in it. So that's where we met, and we just kind of stayed friends over the years. And yeah. you know, I wrote I wrote this script with him in mind for that character. So um, and he's really he's so good in it. He's so because he's doing Bruce Willis in the movie. He's doing like a Bruce Willis character and he has this makeup I don't know if you've seen it he has a makeup on that alters his face slightly so it looks a little more like Bruce it's this crazy transformation he pulls off um, I'm excited for people to see it yeah. where, where did you shoot this? New Orleans oh nice yeah we had a good time yeah, <laughs> yeah we had a very good I'm excited for people to see it yeah. where, where did you shoot this? New Orleans oh nice yeah we had a good time yeah, <laughs> yeah we had a very good time and musically, are you happy with everything the way it came out? Really, really excited. Yeah, it's just, uh, it was such a cool opportunity to do something totally different. <laughs> what was it like when you get the footage, you know, the completed footage to school? Oh, it's so ex I mean, it's actually just truly, really exciting because I've been on set, like, you know, seeing yeah. what it looks like there and then just to see the first cut come back. Mm -hmm. It's like immediately you're just in this world. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's on, it's... I mean, for me, the flip side of that is waiting for Nathan to send his first pass at each cue because we just have temp music in there for each of them. And then it's like when in the email it pops up that there's a new Nathan cue, it's like Christmas morning. Like, we just put it in there and we're either really excited or we're like, oh, back to the drawing board. Back to the drawing board. board. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Anything uh, on the drawing board? Speaking of drawing board? Uh, oh, God. <laughs> I'm working on a couple ideas and uh, hopefully, you know, hopefully I'll be. Be able to, to knock something out of the noodle and, and be able to you know be able to be working with this guy again soon. Are there any DVD treats uh, we can look? Oh, uh, there's a ton of deleted scenes. Yeah. We we have a lot, of, and there was a lot of really good stuff that we ended up cutting from the movie just um, just because it was right to cut it from the movie. But like good scenes, I think are going to be fun. There's yeah. got like 45, nearly an hour's worth of deleted scenes. I think. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be a good DVD. Though. Yeah, but first scene movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Thank you so much. No, thanks yeah, a lot yeah. for the time. Thanks, good to meet you. Yeah. Thanks a lot. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. And that was Ryan and Nathan Johnson on the best of Sci-Fi Talk. First time this interview has aired by itself. It appeared on a Time Capsule episode a few years ago. This is Tony Tolado, and thank you for listening.